Blog Talk Radio.
Thank you, everybody. This is Ravinda with MZ and Indie Radio, and welcome to another great show on this nice rainy night right here in New Jersey. And uh, we are happy to have our special guest, Mr. Donald Tavier from the best-known uh, band group that we've ever just jammed to, Lakeside, as well as an accomplished musician, singer, songwriter, producer. I mean, he is a man of all talents, and we want to welcome him here today so he can talk about the past, the present, and the future. Welcome to the show, Tavier. Hey, how's everybody? Hi, Ravinda. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. That's good. That's good. What's going on? Well, I'm just enjoying my um, my shows that are kind of giving everybody a flashback to the 70s and the 80s, and we're going to be working on the 90s soon uh, <laughs> for the, the best music that has been out there just to re remind folks of, you know, classic soul and classic R&B. So they don't get it confused with some of the music that we hear today. Right. So um, we are really interested. Is this one thing we don't get to do much is to find out more about our favorite um, musicians and our favorite bands. So can you uh, share with us the history that you had um, starting off of when you first got into music? Yeah. Um, wow. Well, well, I, let's let's start off with non-professional because I turned professional. I guess you know when you start getting paid for music is when it becomes a profession. But um, I guess I started playing drums when I was like four years old, and then I started playing keyboards when I was nine, and then I started playing bass when I was eleven, and I just kept picking up instruments and just trying to hone in on you know what what I like to do, and that's just create from uh, different perspectives, you know, musically and, and, and you know, in playing different instruments. Um, and then once I got out of, um, um, once I went into high school, I was able to um, really kind of tune in to what I wanted to do and the direction I wanted to go. Uh, I got with a, um, a local band here in Los Angeles uh, called Magnum, and I played with them for a little while. And... Um, uh, I was kind of torn between uh, athletics and music in school because when I graduated, I I wanted to major in music, uh, but at the same time, I knew it was my ath- uh, my athletic abilities that would carry me through college. So I had to bounce between the two, and um, I was a track star in high school, so I. I got scholarships to various colleges throughout the country for athletics. And um, I went to, um, first of all, let me back up a little bit. In high school, I um, started off in a military academy. I went to military school, like, in the seventh grade. I was there with a lot of great entertainers' kids, the uh, Tina Turner and her kids, um, and, and other various actors whose kids were, you know, uh, in the school. And it kind of exposed me to a lot of different cultures, which kind of, in hindsight, it broadened my ability to approach different types of music because coming up I just didn't listen to R&B or I didn't listen to gospel uh, or jazz. I was listening to rock and roll, uh, pop at that time, 
uh, even music from other cultures is India. So I was able to create from another um, perspective than just, you know, what your parents listen to in the house and, you know, what your your, your environment exposes you to. Uh, I became the first black battalion commander in the country uh, in military uh, establishments, uh, which gave me an opportunity to get uh, other scholarships, not only in athletics but even in academics. Um, West Point was one of the colleges that uh, I got an offer from. And to go to West Point, you have to be um, you have to be uh, picked by uh, government. You have to be government appointed to go to West Point. And um, so I was kind of torn coming out of what I really wanted to do. And uh, it was funny because my first year uh, out, uh, I hooked up with Quincy Jones. And uh, I joined his workshop here in L.A., and it was a lot of people in the workshop that went on to have great careers. Uh, You had people like Patrice Russian. um, You had um, people like um, uh, uh, Patty Austin, James Ingram. We We were all in the same Quincy Jones Choir at the same time. And, you know, that was really kind of the launch of my professional music career because, you know, from being in Quincy's environment, it it led me to be able to tap into artists that I normally would probably take years to get to that I was exposed to immediately, Uh, being uh, uh, Stevie Wonder and and people like that. Then I started working with Stevie, and then it just started growing. And um, I uh, got with Lakeside in 1982 and from there you know it's (laughs) it's been a it's definitely been a fantastic voyage trust me (laughs) you know that's how i got into it wow now um how long did you stay in the band i'm still in the band i've been in the band for what that's uh close to 29 years Wow. Yeah, close to twenty nine years. So it's 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 been a been a been quite a minute. Quite a minute, you know. Wow. Now is the band um performing now? Are they touring or performing yeah, we, anywhere now? We definitely we're still touring. We probably work more than anybody really. And um we try we haven't been abroad like we normally went ever since um uh, 9-11, it slowed up abroad for all the groups to go overseas. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot of the groups are going to Benai and over to Iraq to entertain the troops. Uh, and then they still circulate in in the uh, um, the Asian countries, in uh, Japan and Hong Kong, and sometimes you go up to China. But we used to go to Japan like every year, every two years we would be in Japan. We're one of the biggest groups in Japan. Uh, surprisingly, wow. um, so, um, but you know, now since the economy has kind of slowed down and promoters aren't taking the risks that they used to take, a lot of things have slowed up. But all the groups that everybody basically grew up to are still out putting it down and still doing well. You know, um, it's amazing how, uh, especially in the southern belt. Uh, that's like Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, 
all the way down to Atlanta. Uh, during the summers, there's nothing but big outdoor festivals, and uh, we frequent those every year. And so, you know, next month we take off and we start doing the southern tours again. Oh, well, I would love to see you over here in, in the Philly area. That's one of our favorite spots. Matter of fact, there's a, a, a um, an amphitheater that that is a nice, petite, cozy little amphitheater called the Dell East. I know you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I, I had my graduation in there. <laughs> right in the hood, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> right in the hood. And we like playing the Dell East. The Dell East is fun. The Dell East is fun, you know, because it's outdoors, but it's intimate because you, you're kind of up on the crowd and, you know, and you know the art, the the the, the uh, audiences back east and down south, they really appreciate us, you know. So that makes us feel good when we come there, and you know, and we do, the, you know, we do what people want to hear, you know. We, we play the songs that you guys grew up on, and you know, we don't want to stop doing that. We miss that because music today doesn't have spirit in it like the music back in the day. And the things that 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 motivate you when you listen to the older stuff, it it gives you memories. You know, you remember what you were doing, or how old you were, and what was going on in your life when you hear the old school stuff. The new school stuff doesn't really do that. You know, and I think it's because it's a little too microwave. You know, and things that you put in the microwave get colder faster. <laughs> you know, it's not like cooking it on the stove with love, you know. So music is no. too. Well, you know what? I, what I think that another thing is is music from, you know, the '80s and the early '90s. It was more of a community type music where you you could be in a car riding down the street, and then a song comes on, and like somebody pulls up next to you at the light too, and like. If you're both playing it on the radio, it's like you both know the words and and everybody starts shaking their heads or whatever. It's like you can recognize a song with another person or a whole lot of people that are complete strangers to you because it brings people together and it just yeah. makes people do something together. Yeah, and like yeah. a lot of stuff now, it's like you're only in the club. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the unfortunate thing is uh, – what what caused that to happen is corporate America stepped in and bought up all the record companies and started running the record industry, you know, um, as opposed to, you know, back in the day when, when you had all the many different labels and the different labels were identified by their sounds. You know, back in back where you are, you know, you had the Philly sound. You know, and you had certain artists, you know, like Teddy Pendergrass, the OJs, and um, um, Eddie, <laughs> Eddie, and then you had um, uh, uh, groups out here came from Solar. You had groups in Detroit came out of Motown, and back then all the labels had a certain sound that established their identity. But when corporate America stepped in they kind of lost that feel because the labels started branching off and making people subsidiary labels and subsidiaries of subsidiaries. And then you lose the identity because they're just going after units being sold as opposed to creating careers. Right. So you don't get the same feel from the record companies today as you got from back in the day because it was about establishing careers and publishing. Publishing is what really made record companies sustain themselves 
you know, so they had great writers like Ashton and Simpson. You guys had Linda Bell and Tom Creed. Um, so, you know, the the Philly sound, the Detroit sound, uh, we had Smokey, they had Ashton and Simpson, they had Marvin, um, and then you came out to the West Coast, and then you had the Solar sound, which was Lakeside, the Whispers, um, uh, the Deal, which had Babyface in it, uh, mm-hmm. Midnight Star, you know, so it had identity with the label of the kind of music that was being put out. But that kind of got washed away when corporate America stepped in, and it just became about numbers, you know, not about talent. And so the quality is not there anymore in the industry like it used to be, but the quantity is there, you know, so it's fast food music. But you're absolutely right, and I would love to see it change, but I think what could happen is if parents and, you know, like in my age group and and maybe a little older than me and younger than me, if we all just, you know, focus on our kids knowing the past music instead of just letting them go and listen to whatever they're listening to, I think that we can bring that culture back into them because they'll hear something that they would think is something different, you know, and they would really appreciate that and just let – our kids notice some of the music from the past is still blended in into some of the music of the present when they sample, you know, or they redo a song or whatever, because they don't know that it was done 20 or 30 years ago. And I think if we just really educate our own children instead of waiting on the school system or music teachers or whatever, I think mm-hmm. that will help change the way it's, it's viewed. Well, you know, um, a part of that damage was done by, you mentioned the school system. When music was taken out of schools, it, 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 it didn't allow kids to be exposed to playing instruments, more so than now everything is so computer-based in your home. Everything you do is built around computers. But, see, there's no spirit and there's no soul in a computer. It's, it's mechanical, Mm-hmm. So it 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 only gives you back what you put in it, as opposed to the the human aspect of a computer does not exist. They try to emulate it, but you can't emulate spirit. You can't emulate emotions. You can't emulate yeah. temperament. So that's not there. So by kids only being exposed to something mechanical, they have no nothing to identify with to motivate them and, and to inspire them to play instruments. Because we all, as kids, you know, in the, in all our neighborhoods, we formed bands, and we rehearsed in our, our living rooms, the ones that our parents let us, and we rehearsed in our, our garages, and it was more felt by the community because that's where your support, your support first came from your parents, then it came from your neighbors, then it came from your neighborhood, then it came from your city, then it came from your state, and it just grew like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll give you guys a little history, uh, like, for instance, Lakeside. Lakeside is out of Dayton, Ohio. In a three- to four-block radius, you had Lakeside, Heat Wave, Ohio Players, Sun, Slave, mm-hmm. Roger and Zap. We're talking about in a four-block radius, you had six of the most influential groups in history. 
come out of a four-block radius, and I'm talking about within probably a five- to ten-year period, which is unheard of, let yeah. alone all the groups that came out of Cincinnati, all the groups that came out of Cleveland. I'm just talking about Dayton, Ohio, by itself inside of a five-block neighborhood radius. You had all of that music being burst. Wow. That's remarkable. And we're going Good. to do a documentary about Dayton, Ohio, um, shortly. So, you know, people will be able to really, you know, hopefully TV1 or um, or BET will, will, will show it. But uh, it, it's definitely coming because people can't fathom, you know, the kind of hand that God had to put on that neighborhood to to, to draw that talent out. You know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. I know because we need to see a, a, a lot of that, and um, I think it it should be pre- presented to a lot of various communities so that maybe when they start thinking about doing fundraisers and things like that, you know, since the, the music departments in certain schools have been, you know, d- depleted and they, you know, just don't even do it anymore and it's privatized and, and it's so expensive so that a lot of disadvantaged children can't afford to go right. to these you know, schools and use these instruments, I think that, you know, the the community should start stepping in to do something to preserve that because it's important that we keep valuing music, which is part of our human creativity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully a, a lot of other different companies can get together and do something or participate in things that will make some changes to that because I, I would hate to see it just, just, just evaporate and then we just don't even think about it anymore. You know, that would just be terrible. Well, one thing that has to happen, and I'm, I'm putting this out to everybody that's listening, is we have to start a support fan base. Because as a people, uh, we have a tendency not to be supportive. We don't recycle our own talent. And what I mean by that is that, I'll give you a perfect example, Take a group like the Rolling Stones, which is one of the biggest rock and roll groups in history. They still get paid a million dollars a night. Mm. Take a group like Earth, Wind & Fire, who was probably the, the, the black Rolling Stones of, uh, of our music. Mm-hmm. They only get maybe 60, 75, 80,000 a night. Mm. Now, something's wrong with that picture. Because Earth with Fire has probably given us more influential music than the Rolling Stones. So we as a people owe it back to groups like Gap Band, Ohio Players, Lakeside, Confunction, Brick, uh, SOS Band, Midnight Star. We owe it when, 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 when those groups are performing, we owe it to go support them because they gave us so much back in the day that there's no reason not to support them. And what happens is when we get on that recycling system that we go back and we support when when, when we have new product come out. Uh, for instance, radio right now doesn't really break artists like they used to. Right. They don't. They don't break artists like they used to. But They don't. But when... We have artists that 
still write and still produce quality product from back in the day, we don't have a medium, a radio medium, to play new stuff by old school groups. You you find a, a station that promotes itself as an old school group, and that's all they play is old school. They don't play new music by old school groups. And that's something that we have to change because it's, we haven't lost our, our, our knack and our abilities to write quality product. And people of our generation, people from 35 on up, still, and the younger people too, they still like quality product. They don't want to always listen to hip-hop. They don't want to always listen to rap. So, they, But there's no medium for them to listen to new product by old school groups. And it only, it only happens in a few situations. You have people like Charlie Wilson. But Charlie Wilson had to step up outside the Gap Band in order to do the same thing he could have did with the Gap Band. He had to create an outside image and connect with some hip-hop artists and create an image known as Uncle Charlie and do his thing. He could have did that with the Gap Band and had the same effect if the support fan base had been there. Same thing with Ron Isley. Ron Isley been around since the 60s. So he has a fan base from the 60s to now. So he could have did that. He could have did the same performances that he's doing now with R. Kelly that he did with the, with the uh, Isley Brothers. But he had to create an image outside of the Isley Brothers, Mr. Big. But what does that do for the group? That makes the group fall by the wayside, but Ron Isley is out there doing his thing. Same thing with Charlie. You know, his brothers and the rest of his band members that used to be in the Gap Band and helped made that, you know, they aren't getting the same attention and the same exposure and the same kind of money that Charlie's getting. But... They could have did the same thing together. That's my point. But it's the fan base that had to be catered to that Charlie had to step outside of because he can be identified with the Gap Band solely because it puts a old-school aura, the way it's being promoted on radio. It's an old-school aura on top of that Gap Band label. But the musicians are still qualified to do the same thing that Charlie's doing on his new product. But it's all about marketing. So, you know, um, we shouldn't have to step outside of our groups as individual artists to, to, to be appreciated and to be remarketed to make the new dollars that exist. We should be able to do that inside of our groups and be, you know, and, and be appreciated and be supported by the same people that supported us 20 years ago. Especially if, you, if, if you're doing this, I mean, you know, hey, Charlie's singing. He can sing the same way with the Gap Band as he sings by himself. Mm-hmm. You feel me? So That's right. You know. Well, you know. you've worked with a lot of a lot of various artists, and um, the list that I have includes Mary J. Blige, Norman Connors, Bobby Lyle, People Bryson, Luther Vandross, Gerald Albright, Chaka Khan, Patti LaBelle, of course, Earth, Wind, and Fire, and the Gap Band, Anita Baker, Natalie Cole, Kevin um, Tony, and Shante Moore. And you even work with some rap artists that we're very familiar with, like Dr. Dre and LL Cool J, um, Corrupt, and Easy E. And you have such a really great experience in music. I mean, like your life should really just be in a book. 
I'm writing a book. <laughs> good. Yeah. Oh, good. I am writing a book, and it's called Fantastic Voyage, but it has nothing to do with Lakeside. That's the twist okay. on it. Has, you know, okay. I don't want to give it away, but it is a good book because my life has been a voyage. You know, it's been a good journey, and, and you know, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, uh, even going to new heights and things that I'm doing. But, uh, yeah, I, um, I was able to... Uh, be exposed and, and the reason why probably my connection with a lot of different artists wasn't just for me being a musician but it had to do with me also learning the business side of the industry as well as the technical side and I am a uh, certified Pro Tools instructor um, I started engineering um, when I was back with with, uh, with Quincy and uh, Stevie I tapped into their engineers because I always, you know, I always was an innovator when it came to music. I wanted to kind of create my own sound. And the only way I knew I could create my own sound is find out how to technically do it. So when, you know, we'd go in the booth and we record, but when we came out of the booth, I would go sit next to the engineer and ask a bunch of questions. Because <laughs> I wanted to know, you know, uh, you know, how does this, what does this button do? What does that button do? And, you know, what's this for and what's that for? What's this light over here for? And, you know, I would just ask a million questions. And then when I started um, recording on my own, I was able to manipulate the sounds the way that I wanted to hear the sounds. And it gave me an identity because I didn't want it to sound like it was uh, something that was, uh, you know, a preset template, you know, for my music. I wanted my music to have its own individual twist on it, its own sound and and I knew how I knew how I wanted it. So it's easy for me to learn how to do it than me to to, to you know, ask somebody else to create it. Ask another engineer how to do it. And that's just how I've always approached things, you know. Uh just my life period. I just you know, I'm I'm just my own man. I just learn how to do things on my own and and uh, I have my own way of doing it. And as my mom always taught me, you know, it takes more guts to make a statement than it does to, uh, you know, follow an echo. That's so true. You know. Well, I understand that you have some some new music that you produced yourself, and then um, you still have a band that is performing in California on a regular. And we're going to talk more about that. But first, we want to play another one of our favorite songs, and then we'll be right back with Donald Tavier from Lakeside.
That was one of the, my favorite songs. I mean, we just tore that up at the, in the, um, you know, the little house parties we used to have back yeah. in the day. That was fun. So now, um, since you since you've had this marvelous career, um, and then you know we had a, a like a transition from like the '80s to the '90s, you know, then and now, what kind of challenges have you faced in your career, as you know, as far as music? Um, since a lot of different things have changed? Uh, probably the marketing aspect of it because, you know, even record companies now are shutting down because of the Internet access that we have as artists. It's a good thing and it's a tricky thing. The good side of it is artists can be more independent and they don't need record companies to pimp them. Uh, the tricky part is... You can get on these independent dis- distributing companies like iTunes, Napster, Rhapsody, and, and so forth, but the tricky part is driving people to that site to buy your product. And that's the whole, that's the whole thing. See, record companies would invest money in marketing, in, in marketing plans and marketing uh, uh, um, uh, development teams that would come in. You you put you you get a good record up. You know you'd have your product. Then then they would have different regions of radio stations that they were tied into that would break your product. Well now since everything is moving more toward internet radio and um, uh, satellite radio in your cars you don't have that same exposure. They may play your product, but you don't know who the artists are. You know, if you ride in your car and you got satellite radio on, you don't even have a DJ that's speaking to you, hyping you up or getting you really interested in who this new artist is they're getting ready to play. You just enjoy the music, and if you just happen to look down at the prompter, you might be able to find that name, but are you going to really retain that name and remember it because you don't have time to write it down while you're driving? 
So just the whole connecting of people to an artist is not as personal as it used to be. That's the hard part. That's the tricky part. So you have to. Now we have to figure out a way. Sure, we can get distribute. We can create our own distribution. We can make our own money uh, online selling product. Like I said, through these various iTunes formats and CD Baby and and just ways of getting you know selling the product. But how do we market the product? That's the hard part. So that's the part we're working on now as as producers and writers and artists. You know, but it does give everybody an opportunity to you know to introduce their uh, uh, creation to the world because you figure like this would you rather sell your product on the radio or have your product played on the radio and you only have you gotta remember this you only have exposure to the distance of that radio signal so if you're in your city and your local radio station it may only travel for 30 40 miles as opposed to put it on the internet you have ex- you have ex- uh, you have uh exposure Global. to everybody in the world that has a computer right. mm-hmm. so you know it's kind of it's, it's like a no brainer and the business side of that is do I want to put it on the internet and make and say if I sell 100,000 units which would be great and keep 90% of the profit or do I want to sell 2 million units and owe it to a record company and maybe get 2% of the profits. I know. That's a, that's the thing you have to ask yourself. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, okay, now do I do do I, am I going am I going to be smart about this or am I going to chase fame? Because that's all it is. That's all mm-hmm. it is. The record company is offering you fame. They're not they're not trying to make you rich. They're trying to get rich off of you. They're not right. trying to make you rich because they're not into creating careers anymore. So you have to look at it from that standpoint. Do I want to put my product on the internet and maybe sell fifty thousand units? Or it's because it's, you, you got to figure like this. Because most of the companies now, I mean, most uh, um, internet distribution is selling your product at ninety nine cent because they're selling singles. Very seldom mm-hmm. they sell the whole CD. You can sell the whole CD. But it's still the same difference of buying ten singles, ten dollars for right. for a CD. But um, if you're getting seventy five percent, eighty five percent, maybe ninety percent of your return, that gives you a bigger opportunity to make more money without being in debt. That's right. Because you have to understand, record companies are like banks. Mm-hmm. They give you a loan. Money. It's a loan. <laughs> Right, it is. Long. So, yeah, you may start off, you know, being bigger than life, billboards, mm-hmm. videos, doing the whole gamut, but you in the hole. So it may That's take right. you for three years to pay that two or three, four, five million dollars that they just spent on you back before you start making them, making money. And if you don't invest your money correctly in the, at the end of that five-year term, you broke again. Mm-hmm. And they may not want to resign you because they've already made the money they want to make off of you. So you're an old horse. So old horses get sent to the pastor or shot in the leg because they can't run no more. So, you know, you have to make that decision going into the music business of, you know, exactly what I'm doing. Am I getting in this for the business 
Or am I getting into this because I want to be ghetto fabulous? Yeah, famous for a minute. <laughs> right. Like I said, the music today is quantity. It's not quality. And I'm not saying everybody's like that. There are a few sprinkles of people doing quality stuff, but for the most part, it's quantity. It's it's microwave and, you know, that's the thing we have to fight with for those who have put in so much time and so much work in being quality artists is that, you know, we have to compete against this quantity stuff. And, you know, sonically, when you listen to it, there's no competition. But, you know, it's all about what people have been conditioned to like. And a hit is not written. A hit is played. Because mm-hmm. any song can be a hit if it's played enough. So... <laughs> I know, and if they have the money to get it played, you know, <laughs> then and then you'll hear it all the time because you can tell when you listen to the radio, you hear like maybe top ten songs play over and over, and I know it's way more songs than ten right. out there, and a lot more artists than those ten artists, and and then a lot of songs they're playing they have the same artists on like five or six different songs. Well, the reason and, why they do that is because. A lot of artists aren't really good enough to stand on their own. So if you have an artist on your label or you have the means to hire another artist to come in and co-sign for another artist that you're trying to break, that is a marketing ploy by the record companies to get people to 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 buy this record because it's got Lil Wayne on it or buy this record because it has Ludacris on it, or buy this record because it has Rihanna on it, or whoever else they want to team up together to to validate that, you know, we want you to go out and buy this record. When back in the day, it wasn't about that. You know, um, a lot of times you would, you would find two artists from the same label on the... Um, the uh, the record because the record the money went back to the same company, but today's artists you know it's just about who has money and who can afford to hire somebody that's already got a name to pull them in to help launch this record from a new artist. You know right. back in the day when you had Motown, let me give you an example. You had you know Marvin Gaye, Tammy Terrell, or you had Marvin Gaye and Kim and Kim, or you had or Marvin and Mary. Or you had, uh, you know, Smokey and uh, the Supremes and, you know, the Temptations and Supremes. But they were all under the same umbrella, so it was the same money. Mm-hmm. But today is not like that. You have artists from one label that's teaming up with another label because nobody's really, or the new artist that's coming in isn't really that good to stand on its own, to break him on its own. So, you know, it's it's, it's a marketing ploy, you know, and... Well, hopefully things change. And when it comes to the Internet, when you're talking about, you know, the marketing part of it, um, that is when entertainers of the like should start getting into educating themselves about how to do that. Because right. you want to be the person who 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 benefits the most from your music right. sales or whatever, then you should um, put more energy in trying to educate yourself on how to do certain things. And, and it's not really that difficult, but a lot of people, you know, they don't find the time to be able to get right. into it. Well, and then they end up hiring somebody. So it that's, why it's called the, that's why it's called the music business. Hello. Right. 
Right. You it's know? not called let's so, get on stage and have a good time business. It's called music business. So right. it's the responsibility to learn. See, it's it's all about being independent. But when you be independent, you got to wear all the different hats. So that means you can't just be on stage and and control what's going on with your money. You got to be there. You got to know something about accounting. You got to know something about management. You got to know something about publishing, as well as you got to know something about being on stage and being creative. That's the easy part, being the artist. The hard part is knowing where your money is going and where your money's coming in from. That's the hard part, and that's the part you really want to learn first, because the 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 creative side and the musician side of you is something that naturally you're born with. You're not born with business sense. Mm-hmm. That's something that you have to learn. Right. So it's your responsibility as an artist to learn the business, to sustain yourself, to have a career in this business, because there's many facets of this business that you can make money in, but the only way you're going to know them is you're going to have to live them. Music is not a hobby. It's a way of life. It's like hip-hop. You know, hip-hop is not a fad. It's a culture. And that's how we have to approach being wanting to be in the music business. You know, you know to be a football player, you got to eat football. You don't go to the basketball gym to be a football player and mm-hmm. vice versa. So you gotta you gotta you gotta know your oppositions when you're stepping into this game. You gotta know the ins and the outs. You know the, the yin and the yang. You have to know it all to be successful in this business, or have people around you that know it. But even the people around you, you gotta watch them. You gotta hire right. people to watch the people that's hired to watch the people. It's right, because you have it could be the same way experience you would run into with a label. You know, you don't trust everybody, and and you actually do need to just get yourself a team, a small team, not a huge team, that of people that are trustworthy in your life and people that you can depend on to do right. the things that they need to do or are educated to do what they're supposed to be doing. Right. And that's what can help you the most. But when you just grab at straws, you know, you are asking for trouble. And then you yeah. might as well just wait for a label to come after you because, you know, you're going to put yourself in the same position. Well, it's you know, crazy. something that I learned from Prince uh, was um, to always control your product. Always control your product. You know, uh, it's all about publishing. And it's all about who's in charge of the product. Because so many artists do things, they'll go to a record company and they'll get money from a record company. Well, whoever's spending the money controls the product. Hello. You know, so if you're in in the position now, because of the way technology is and how ready available it is, you can have a studio in your house, cut that product, then get that product copywritten before you start sending it out, get your publishing company set up, and just control, always stay in control and have the majority of the percentages in your favor when you are leasing out your product. Mm-hmm. You got to do you have to do that. That's a must. That's the only way you can stay ahead of the game. Because yes, who spends sure. the money owns the work. Mm-hmm. So it's all about you spending your own money or that's how your business deal should be negotiated. And one other thing is when you do a record company deal, 
one thing that most artists, and I'm talking about since since we've been signing with record companies, period, is they do not take out insurance policies. That should be a lifelong contract with a record label that's making money off of you for life. Is that you should have medical coverage. Because if you depend on medical coverage from the musicians' union, you have to be making X amount of dollars, you have to be doing X amount of work per year to even qualify for insurance coverage. But if you figure if you sign with a record company and you make them two or three million dollars or fifty million dollars or whatever it may be, or in the course of the next two or three years or for life, because they own your publishing, they own so much of your all your rights, then that should be negotiated in your deal that hey, you know, I want uh, I want a lifelong insurance policy with you because when I'm no longer able to sing, yet though you're still making money off of me, I need to be able to go to the hospital. I need to right. be able to have medical coverage. There's so many artists that once they get of age or they get sick and they're long, no longer with a, with, a, with a record label, they're dying in the hospital or they're dying at home because they can't afford medical coverage because they didn't work a type of job that they could retire from and gave them a retirement pension and medical right. coverage in their elderly years. Right. Or like Angela Bofill, like she had a stroke, and she and she can't perform anywhere, and like she's trying to do fundraisers somehow. Right, she can make money because she yeah. can't perform. Right, I I I uh, produced a couple of songs on on Angela, and um, uh, that's that's a perfect example. I'm glad you brought that up. That's a perfect example, and there's no reason as much money as Angela Bofield has made for the record labels and just for the record industry itself, that the industry doesn't set up a insurance uh, uh, plan, a medical insurance coverage plan for artists that are in the music industry. It should just be automatic because we are taking risks. We're doing, we're we're sacrificing our lives to provide entertainment for people. Mm-hmm. Across the board, right. So, it, how simple is it for whoever you sign with, or for a label, or even now since you know uh, Obama has has uh, made it more available for the average Joe to get insurance? The record company should, or the music industry should even set up a program that people who are in the music industry or striving to be in the music industry have access to sign up for insurance that is affordable. It should be even more affordable for us and people who don't have a nine-to-five job to have access to get insurance coverage. You know, especially artists that have put out product that's made millions and millions and millions of dollars. That should be automatic. It should be automatic. Definitely should. Automatic. You know, you go to other countries like uh, Amsterdam. Amsterdam's government, if you're in the entertainment industry, your your money is uh, is uh, subsidized by the government. You get a check every month by the government just because you're in the music industry. Because they know the sacrifice that it takes for an artist to be in that in that, in, that, in that in that type of uh, uh, lifestyle. Whether you were making 
whether you're putting out product or not, the government backs you because mm-hmm. they understand the sacrifice that it takes to do this. You know, it's not I know that. music industry. <laughs> you gotta have I know a lot of people are ready to go to Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they are after this conversation. Ooh, I know. I think I'm going to write some songs. Well, it's it. I know. I know a few artists. You know, Billy Preston was one. I know a few artists that went to Amsterdam and set up camp because just because of that factor that the government, uh, the the government created a program for them to come into that they were being subsidized by the government. They were getting grants. They were getting money to do what they do. What they do. And it was it, that's just a way the government showed their appreciation for you being an artist. We can't take that for granted. Being an artist is a gift from God. It is. It's a gift from God. And it's probably the gift that everybody everybody wished they had. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, some, yeah, some people can't take think that for they granted. have it. <laughs> huh? I said some people actually think they have it. Right. And and they're out there doing stuff and they're making a lot of money and that's just crazy. Well, now you, you go ahead. Well, I was going to say you have some new music out now. Now is that produced um, with by you yourself or with? Do you have part of Lakeside with you on no, that? No, that's, or just, how that's that just me myself. Okay. That's just me. Now Lakeside, we do have a new CD that's getting ready to uh, to drop. It's called Here We Are. That um, is getting ready to drop. But the new music that I'm putting out is a solo project that I'm doing. Um, I have a new single that's uh, that's coming out called Cha Cha Cha. Mhm. And that's actually what I'm about to play. <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, I, I, so, want, I want people to, to 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 either chat in or call in and tell me what they think about it. Honestly, I want honest opinions. Okay, well, let me just put the word out to those who are listening and those who are in the chat room. I'm going to put on the song uh, by Donald, Cha Cha Cha, and I want people to call in at our number at 347-237-5050, or you can pop the notation in the chat room if that's where you are, and let us know how you feel about the song. Um, I'm going to go ahead and put that on. We'll be right back with Donald Tavier. Let me 
Cha cha cha! I love the cha cha back in the day. <laughs> you know the reason why I did that is because, um, I, cause I love uh, stepping, and I like the way that uh, R. Kelly flipped it. But I I thought to myself, there's more people in the country that cha cha more than they step, but nobody's catering to the cha cha people. So that's why I came up with the song and and, uh, and wrote it, and you know and. We're doing our thing with it, so um, uh, hopefully by the summer it's going to be everywhere. Well, um, I know that a lot of people want to get involved in that, and they do um, do a lot of stepping out here um, right. in certain parts of Philly and in New York and D.C. and Atlanta, and it's a big thing. And I would certainly want to include it in any of my um, future events because we're going to do actually a um, ballroom stepping um uh, event, oh, and cool. we're going to need some music that, you know, we want to go with classic music, so we're going to pick, you know, a, lot, a certain group of songs that will add to um, the venue for the dancing, and I would love to add that, too, so. Okay. Um, it'd be nice to have you come out and perform it. <laughs> That's possible, too. <laughs> That's possible. <laughs> love that. I so, travel. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. We, we had the other thing I want to say, and I'm working on is um, 
Uh, I have a uh, nightclub here in L.A. called the Soul Lounge that I do every Friday. And basically what I'm doing is developing a TV show from the Soul Lounge uh, that's a uh, merger of, I don't know how many people remember this, but it used to be a show back in the day called Midnight Special. And I'm merging that with Soul Train. So it's Midnight Special meets Soul Train. Now, the thing about Soul Train is that when we used to perform on Soul Train, there we were pantomiming. It wasn't real. We weren't really playing. We were just up there with instruments acting like we were playing. And people were dancing to our records. But now what I want to do from the old school to the new school is create a platform on television that you actually see the groups performing from back in the day to present along with a live audience that is partying and dancing to your music. Because I think that's missing. I don't think it's anything else else like this out, uh, you know, out in the uh, uh, in the industry, whereas to people can really be uh, connected back to artists. You know, unless you go to a big concert and see somebody, but you know, people want to be at the comfort of their home and party uh-huh. with Cameo or party with Lakeside or party with uh, um, uh Kim or party with uh, um, Angie Stone, you know. I want to do real soul R&B artists. No pop, no hip hop, and nothing right. against that. But no soul. I mean, no no pop or hip hop. I want straight up R&B and soul artists. So that's wow. a TV show that I'm working on that I'm trying to develop, and I'm going to pitch it to um, TV One and BET. And I think it's going to be a perfect platform for uh, BET centric. Okay. So they kind of they kind of have that flavor. They kind of got that R and B old school neo soul flavor. So that's well, that's you know, it's time for something like that. You know, it is really time for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the main thing that I'm looking for right now is is backers to come in and help me shoot the pilots. So you know, if if any backers are out there listening, or somebody's interested, you know, um, we can hook up and, and discuss it. Because I, I I really think that the industry and the entertainment uh, uh, lovers, period, are starving for something like this because there's nothing like this on TV. I know, and I think what they're doing now is just kind of like sitting in the background waiting for somebody else to do something. Exactly. Because, you yeah. know, a lot of people are talking about stuff, and, and then they say, well, I'm waiting if somebody does, and then I'll just get and jump on board because they, right. they don't know how to go about it. And right. they don't know how to take the risk or whatever, so they yeah. let somebody else do it. And then they say, oh, that sounds like a great idea. And then yeah. they start jumping in there, and then they want a, a big cut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, the cool thing is I'm already, you know, the the I have the venue. Matter of fact, it's the same venue that BET's Comic View started in. Oh. It's at the cool. Normandy Casino in Gardena, California. And I call the room the Soul Lounge. It's in the same room. So, uh, you know, um, the way my format is, you know, I have HBO comedians every week, and then I have an all-star funk band, and we're playing stuff from old school to new school, and people are actually uh, partying with us. If you want to see what the show looks like, you can go to my Facebook page, put in Donald Tavier, T as in Tom, A, V as in Victor, I, E, and um, do a friend request. I'll click you in as a friend. You can see the club. You can see some video footage. If you want to go to YouTube, 
uh, I have a uh, YouTube clip as well on the uh, YouTube called Tavier's Tribute to Michael Jackson. It's a tribute that we did, uh, part of the show, and you get a chance to, you know, see the band live. Um, so, you know, God willing, it's, it's all going to happen. Well, one thing I'd like to bring to your attention, just for some reason, BET or TV One or or VH One or any of those big networks decide not to, you know, participate, and and even if you know what you're still waiting for them to give you the word, I would suggest you consider doing a live stream. Um, oh, I'm definitely going to do that. I'm just saying yeah. that to cover a large area and yeah. to get it out there. And you could even do, like, one of the shows on your, your pay-per-view so that right. you can get your own money to use towards whatever else you need it for. And, you know, that's just a suggestion. But, um, you know, a lot of people are doing that because they can't get the backing from the huge networks mm-hmm. or whatever. Because Comcast is very picky about the things they do. And HBO used to be really supportive and things like that. But they're so on to the film thing now and TV and, you know, reality shows. So they're not really putting a lot of music out there. So I don't know. Um, I think they just don't have a lot of faith anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I, I think they don't want to take the risk. That too. It's the risk. You know, because it's just like the thing we did with Sinbad uh, when Sinbad was doing the um, – Oh yeah, I remember that. The old school funk fest down in Jamaica and Aruba. That mm-hmm. it's no way that should have stopped. It shouldn't have. <laughs> it shouldn't have stopped. That shouldn't have stopped. That should. I, I didn't understand that. And we had a ball. I mean, and everybody that went had a blast. I just don't see why it, it just stopped happening and nobody else is doing it. You know, you know, you don't see nothing like that on on TV anymore. I don't get it. I know they don't have any, but they have all these other independent things going on. And um, like right now, they have the classic jazz cruise and a classic jazz festival going on, and um, the festivals in D.C. But you know what? What gets me is that it's not all jazz performers. It's a lot of R&B and soul performers and gospel performers in it too. And it's like, well, I don't even know why they call it jazz. They just say classic. But they got a lot of people headlining on there, and um, you know that that's. I just talked to one of the artists that's going to be on um, the festival and at the cruise. Mm-hmm. Um, he was telling me, you know, how how it was because he's been doing it for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. A lot of people are doing that kind of stuff now. They're yeah. doing their own thing. Right. Well, see, the, the the thing that I'm doing now also is I'm trying to get my band out because I have one of the best bands. And I'm not saying that because it's my band. I mean, literally, I got some of the best musicians, and you know, we just have a genuine love for one another, and we love doing what we're doing. Uh, my bass player is um, Natalie Cole's musical director. My keyboard player, one of them is Barry. What was Barry White's musical director? Anita Baker's musical director. Uh, my drummer plays with uh, Tina Marie. Um, my guitar player used to play with Stevie. Uh, I have three angels that sing with me. One is a girl came, named Madam D. She took Shaka Khan's place in Rufus, so she's with Rufus now um, when she's not with me. And then uh, my, one of my other girls, Valerie Davis, she sings with um, Whitney, uh, Luther, and Earth, Wind, and Fire. 
and then I have another girl who sings with me, Nisa Sinead, that's one of the top gospel singers in the business. So my band is just, is just like ridiculous. So I'm really wow. hoping this summer, you know, we can get booked and, and, and get brought to, you know, different cities back east and, you know, and, and, and really show what we can do as a band because the band is just so tight and it's just a, just a nice spirit about the band because of everybody, where everybody is spiritually, collectively. You know, it's no ego. Right. And it's hard to get that, that kind of talent together without there being an ego. And nobody in the group has an ego. You know, they 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 leave it outside, off the stage. So, uh, you know, I'm putting that out there that, uh, you know, we are for hire, and uh, it's a great band, great band, you know. Well, I'm hoping to put something together and bring you out here. Um, I have a lot of people in my little team, and we always want to bring good quality music to our audiences, and, and then we use a lot of – you know, promotion through the Internet because we, we're like, some of us are like gurus at it and some of us are like geeks and gurus at it. And so that's the way we plan on accomplishing getting the people out. So whatever artists don't know how to do, we're always available to do that for them. So whenever we have a performance, we get them like the most promotion that they could ever get because we're going to reach out to everybody. And then right. when we do our shows, we, we are actually setting up our live stream um, equipment so that we don't just reach the audience that's sitting in the seats. Right. We're going to reach audiences on a global level because we're going to market it all over the world. Right. Right. So, yeah. you know, it's a big thing, which the travel part of doing a show is, is always the most expensive when somebody's like all the way on, like say where you are, coming all the way over here, or if you were doing a show in the U.K. and you wanted to come over here to do something for us, you know, it would just be so expensive for those mm-hmm. travel expenses. So we, we try to figure out a way to do it where you don't even have to go anywhere. You can stay in your own hometown. If you're if you're always playing somewhere in particular, you could actually do it there, and we have a crew come out and just film that, that um, you know, uh, connect it in with our live stream. Right, and that way, like, yeah. Yeah, and then we'll stream and you'll still be able to do it. You kind of save everybody a little money, but you'll make a lot more money too. Right. Yeah, exactly. I want to do that without a doubt, so we'll talk about that. Um, okay. One one other thing I want to uh, kind of tap into before I, before I get out of here is, um, and this goes out to all the gentlemen and the girlfriends of the gentlemen, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, is that these brothers got to get, Checkups. They have to go to the doctors. Once you turn 35, it used to be 40. Now it's 35, and even younger than that now. Uh, and I'm talking about prostate. Now myself and Charlie Wilson last year both experienced prostate cancer. We both had different treatments done. Um, there, in the United States, there's three different treatments that are available. Um, one is the radiation, not chemo, but radiation. The second one is seed implants, and that's the one Charlie opted to do. Then the third one is a prostatectomy, where they totally remove the prostate. And um, there were no symptoms for me. I just happened to go to get a physical and had them check my PSA. 
Now, normally when you go to the doctor and you have a physical, they give you a blood test, but they don't test the blood for PSA levels. So just because you go and have a physical and then you come back and the doctor say everything is fine doesn't mean everything is fine. That means everything they checked is fine. So uh, we as black men are more susceptible to prostate cancer than any other ethnicity in the world. And it's because of our diets, what we're used to eating. It's, it all starts from diet. Um, so I'm putting it out there because I experienced it. Now, what I tried, chose to do was do a procedure that is not done here in the United States, and it's called HIFU, H-I-F-U, and it stands for High Intensity Focus Ultrasound. There's no cutting but it got rid of my cancer totally. And it's a two-and-a-half-hour to three-hour procedure, but you have to leave out of the country to do it. They're here in the United States beta testing it, uh, but the uh, the uh, FDA has not approved it yet uh, here in the United States. So the doctors are here that are doing the procedure, but they fly with you out of the country. You can either go to Canada, you can go to Europe, you can go to Mexico, you can go to Australia, you can go from 17 other countries that do it except the United States. Uh, the way that I was exposed to high food, I once I found out that I had the prostate cancer, I went into research mode. I found out every procedure that was available here in the United States that the FDA had approved on. And the day that I was supposed to start my treatments, I opted to do the lesser of the three evils, which was the radiation. The day that I was supposed to start my treatments on, I was awakened by my television that morning. I left my TV on that night, uh, and there was a show on on Channel 7, and they had the top five urologists in the country speaking about this new procedure that they were trying to imp get implemented here in the United States called HIFU. And while I watched the program, I watched the program for about an hour, and then I got dressed. But the whole time while I was watching the program, my spirit was troubled because I was wondering, why didn't my doctor tell me about this procedure? I don't care if it was on the moon. It's still another option that I have. But that's where the bureaucracy plays in in the United States is that, you know, it's about keeping it in-house and on the comeback. And what I mean on the comeback, it's not about so much of healing you as it is about making money off of your illnesses. And that's something that has to change in this country because uh, in all other countries, uh, first of all, in most countries, you know, we have medical uh, plans that are implemented for the benefit of the people of that country. And we're like on the bottom totem pole. Since this new bill has passed, we hopefully that's going to change. But what happened was to show you how God intervened in what I was going through. I got dressed, cut the TV off, went to my front door, grabbed my keys. When I put my hand on the doorknob, the phone rang. Now, the treatments that I opted to take were 43 days of 
radiation, 15 minutes a day. The nurse, when I picked up the phone, the nurse was on the line telling me, Mr. Tavier, we have to cancel your treatments till next week because the radiation machine has broke down. That right there was a flag to me from God saying, I have a different direction for you to go because I have something that's closer to putting men's minds at ease in the United States, that there's another treatment that's available, and that's the problem. It's because it's a lack of awareness, it's a lack of knowledge, and it's just pure ignorance on a lot of men's part to go get a checkup because the whole concept behind curing prostate is early detection. <clears throat> so you can't wait till you start getting symptoms to worry about whether there's something wrong with my prostate. Most of the symptoms from prostate uh, enlargement is urination frequencies, uh, having to get up late at night while you're sleeping to use the bathroom, and then some people get to the point that you go to the bathroom and your urine flow stops. Then you have to push a little harder or you don't complete the emptying of the bladder bag in your stomach. So um, I did my research and I got in touch with the television station that same day. I sat down at my computer and I called the television station and they put me in touch with the hub hospital in South Carolina that governing the uh, uh, administration of high food treatments. And I called them, and they asked me what state did I live in, and I told them California, what part of California, and they directed me to Pacific Urology Hospital here in Los Alamitos, California. And I was living in Woodland Hills, and it only made 45-minute drive, so there was no problem for me to go and, and check it out. So I called the hospital, and the urologist that came to the phone happened to be one of the top five urologists that were on the television station. And he invited me to come down. He did a, a, um, a uh, gave me an ultrasound to look at the prostate, and he told me what was going on. And first he wanted to find out if I was a candidate to go into the uh, um, beta testing program that they have here in the United States. Uh, that took about four or five days where we found out that the list was full, of course. Um, and then I opted to have to pay out of pocket because the insurance companies here don't cover out-of-state, out-of-country procedures. Now, since my treatment, which was last year, things have changed a little bit. Because once once you come back from this, some insurance companies will do a reimbursement for the medical treatment that you get out of the country. First, they want to see if it works. Then they want to interview the, you know, go over with you what the cost was. And then a lot of times they will cover it. So you, there is a possibility that those of you who do have, uh, do have to leave the country to get this done, you can have it done. But... The remarkable thing is it's a walkout treatment. That means you go in for two and a half to three hours. They do no cutting. They do it through a probe in your rectum, 
They burn the cancer out of the prostate without damaging any of the nerve bundles that sit up under your prostate that control erectile function. There's no damage. So you, when you leave, you don't have to get on pills. You don't have to do anything. My life is back to normal, totally. The thing that I did uh, going into the procedure is I made sure that I was healthy for recovery purposes. That means that I, I did a cleansing diet. I went on a diet. I got my body right, exercise, uh, along with my mind and my spirit. So I was able to walk out of the operating room, literally out of the recovery room. When I woke up, I was able to get up and leave. And I haven't had any problems since whatsoever. So I'm putting it out there. Uh, I'm being an advocate for it. If you want to have any more information about it, my email address is another hit productions with an S at yahoo.com. Feel free to contact me. I'll give you the information or I'll talk to you personally and give you the information that you need because that's the only thing that will save your life is the information and early detection. It's the number one killer of black men, but it's the easiest thing to cure with early detection. That's some so good hope, news there. <laughs> yeah. So I, hope, I hope everybody that was listening got that information. Like, once again, if you need to reach me or you want to talk to me about your husband or your boyfriend that's not going, that's being hard-headed, I always tell men, you have two choices. You can either have a doctor give you a checkup through your rectum with his finger, or you can have the mortician stick a rod in your neck. Mm-hmm. And that's just reality Because there's nothing to play with And too many brothers right. I know Are not getting the checkups When it only takes like five minutes to check it Even if not that long You know, so it's worth it It's totally worth it You know, it's, it's totally worth it So I hope everybody got the information on how to reach me Another hit Productions With an S at yahoo.com And we can go from there that's right. And I also want to uh, bring to everybody's attention that um, Donald and I both will be working on getting him um, out to a lot of different areas to do what we would call like a seminar to talk to men in the communities and make them aware of this. And we'll probably bring in some medical uh, technicians or and doctors and, and specialists who can, you know, back up what he's trying to express to you know, our men, because they really, really need to be more aware and focus on thinking about staying here for the, you know, the, the long term, because yeah, exactly. when you get that, if you don't catch it in time, you know, there's nothing on this earth is going to be able to, to stop it. So right. we want to make sure that everybody's aware of whatever other type of alternative treatments are available. And we also want to um, let you know that we're going to do a lot of different fundraisers to, to raise some money to help for those people who don't have any, you know, funds to cover that treatment abroad or continue on with the medical treatment that you're getting here. So, you know, anybody out there looking to to have Donald come out and talk 
and share what he knows and bring a specialist out, you can contact him, and you can also contact myself. You can always send me an email, mznindradio at gmail.com, and then we'll be happy to, you know, get uh, arrangements made to have him come out and speak to your community. And we're just asking that of all the people who, who are aware of communities and especially urban communities that need to have this information. So please be, be sure to contact us so that we can get the word out. Yeah, I'm definitely available. Just, you know, let me know ahead of time. And, and like I said, contact Revent uh, 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 anytime you guys need to reach me. Just contact me or go to the radio station, you know, uh, contact uh, Ravenna and let me know, and we're down. That's right. And the band is also available for hire, too. <laughs> yeah, so we got to bring some entertainment. We don't want to yeah, make everybody do both. <laughs> oh, no, we can do both. We can do both. <laughs> we can do both. That would be wonderful. Well, I'm just so happy that you were able to stop by and, and talk with us and share some of your history with us and um, give us that information, and especially for our, our husbands and our brothers and our fathers and our sons right. and our uncles. You know, everybody is, is you know, not going to be uh, safe from this particular disease. I mean, Nobody like is. With, right. Just like with women and breast cancer and cervical mm-hmm. cancer and other kind of cancers. And then there are cancers that nobody's even aware of. Like, um, what, you know, everybody knows about Guru. Um, he recently passed away from uh, a cancer that, of course, we weren't aware that he had it, but it's a, a rare case of cancer that he had. And mm-hmm. he has a, a fund that is uh, also out there to do more research on it. And, I mean, cancer is just really bad. There's so many different kinds that we still have yet to figure out that they exist. It just shows up. And, you know, it's this terrible thing. So whatever knowledge we can gain from people like Donald and Charlie and whoever else, we really need that help and we really need to share that information. Yes. So, But we're going to finish our show out with some more okay. music from Donald. We have some new music. Um, and please be sure to catch up, up on um, iTunes. Are you on Amazon, too? I'm on all of them, all of the above. The name of the CD Good. is called Best Kept Secret. Right. Now, we're going to have you back again because we're going to do a Q&A, and we're going to invite a lot of different um, music artists that I'm aware of that I promote myself so that you can share your knowledge on how to you know, do your own thing. Okay. And, um, you know, the, the good and the bad things about getting on with those labels. So I want to have you come back um, sometime next month when we do our Q&A. And I'm going to go ahead and put on another song. And once again, say thank you for joining us. Okay. Thanks, everybody.
Somehow, some way, 
I need to get to you for love's sake. Yeah. When you hear me say, and I don't wanna be apart. I don't wanna be apart. I can't describe what I feel inside. I just wanna be where you are. Do a day. I wanna be where you are. Yes, I wanna be with you. I gotta be with you, girl. I wanna be where you are. No matter how far I want to be where you are I want to be where you are Yes, I want to be with you I want to be with you, girl I want to be where you are At night when I sleep I'm always wanting you right next to me Tossing and turning I can't sleep a wink because I worry When you go or when you leave You take a piece of me and I'm empty My thoughts and my dreams Is that we'll be together for eternity Said I don't wanna be apart. I don't wanna be apart. I can't describe what I feel inside. I just wanna be where you are. I wanna be where you are. Yes, I wanna be with you. I wanna be with you, girl. I wanna be where you are. No matter how far I gotta be where you are. Yes, I wanna be with you. I gotta be with you, girl. I wanna be where you are. Yes, I wanna be with you, no matter how far you are. You did. I don't wanna be a part. I can't describe what I feel inside. I just wanna be where you are. I wanna be where you are. I wanna be where you are. Yes, I wanna be with you. I gotta be with you, girl. I wanna be where you are. No matter how far, I gotta be where you are. I wanna be where you are. Yes, I wanna be with you. I gotta be with you, girl. I wanna be yeah. where you are. Yes, I wanna be with you. No matter how far you are. I wanna be where you are. Said I gotta be with you. Oh. I wanna be where you are. Said no matter how far, I gotta be where you are.
collection of music, new music from Donald Tavier, and I hope everybody is enjoying it. We still have about 11 minutes remaining. If anybody wanted to call in and chat a little bit or talk about something that they're doing right now or promote any of your own shows, feel free to do so. The number is 347-237-5050. And remember, um, Skype is free if you're using that for Blog Talk Radio. You can also put a notation in the chat room if you want to go in there. Um, our address on um, the web is www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash MZN Indie Radio. And um, I'll be happy to, you know, go ahead and help promote anybody in here. So I'm going to play another song by um, by Lakeside. Um, well, I'm not sure if I have everything on there, but I'm going to play something that I found. It. I'm not sure if anybody remembers it, but um, it's called Turn the Music Up. So um, please enjoy, and then we'll play another song to take us out of the uh, show for the hour.
All right, well, I just want to take a moment before our show's over to uh, thank our guest for the evening, Donald Tavier from Lakeside, for coming in and sharing his personal experiences as well as the education in the music business and, of course, uh, the information he shared about prostate cancer treatments. I also want to um, give a shout-out to my, uh, my chat room guests who are uh, really great friends of mine. Um, we have the fabulous Mr. Quiet Storm, a brilliant spoken word artist who has some really great uh, pieces of work that you all should be uh, getting to know more about. Let me just share his website for those who are listening in. It's www.quietstormofspokenword.webs.com. And you could also find him on Reverb Nation under uh, Quiet Storm of Spoken Word. And he's also on Facebook. Um, we'll be doing some great uh, bodies of work together in the future. I also want to give a, show, a shout out to my girl, Miss Optimism. And she also has a show that comes on Friday nights. And uh, you want to check her out. She has some really good um, shows about a lot of different issues between uh, men and women and between families and, you know, the, the world itself. So you want to check her out, too. And uh, also thank you to the unnamed guests in the uh, chat room. Please, in, in the future, don't be afraid to, uh, you know, sign in with your, your regular name. Um, if you don't have one, just, you know, put something on there so we can just call you out and, Maybe you have something you might want to promote, too. So we want to end our show. And then uh, we have some more guests coming on tomorrow night. We also have guests all next week. And we're doing a uh, contest that we're going to talk about more tomorrow. So please pop in to see us tomorrow at 8 o'clock. And have a good night, everybody. I'm just going to just kick it out with my theme song by the RZA himself.
Thank you.